everybody. Welcome back to FBI, Federal Belfast Investigation. I'm Elise. I'm Rebecca. Um, just making sure we're on air. Yeah, our dodgy few minutes at the start. There we are. Okay. We oh, are on air. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, all right. Let's do this. Um, how are you this morning, Rebecca? I'm all right. I'm still recovering from that cold last week. Yeah. Got like a weird throat thing, but my water's helping. Good. Yeah. Stay hydrated. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? I'm good. I'm pretty tired. I mean, you were up till two writing this, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote the whole script alone, everybody. But that's okay. Rebecca's writing the next two. Yeah. And they're going to be dope, so. Um, next one's already nearly done. Yeah. So we're doing well. Um, but I'm good. It's been a long week. Yeah. For it to be over. Friday feeling. Or getting to sleep. Are you doing anything this weekend or are you just chilling? I'm going to dairy on Sunday with a friend. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so. Is that like with our building or is that just. just oh, really? Because I've never been before. Yeah. Oh, no, it should be good. Yeah, I'm really excited. Are you going away anywhere else? Like, because you know, like, you've been away, like, like, you travel? Um, I might be going to meet, like, some family friends in Paris. <gasps> Ooh. We'll say. Super <laughs> cool. Um, and then I'm planning my trip for when school ends. I'm oh. doing like a month of travel. When it ends. And the show ends. And we oh, say bye. Oh, rip. If there's anybody out there listening, we'll miss you. I think I think I might have two people listening. <laughs> two people? <laughs> my mom and my father-in-law. Oh, my gosh. But she might not be awake. Um, I, Rebecca's mom, and her friend Emma. <laughs> yeah, hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what about you? Are you doing anything this weekend? Um... Well, Emma's home from, like, Liverpool, so I was saying hi to her last night, but I don't know what I'm doing this weekend. Oh, well, that'll be fun. Yeah, I think it's just going to be chill. Yeah. You know, my mom's meant to be making a curry. Oh. So, <laughs> I might get some curry out of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah. Just to have a chill weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So. Life is good here at Queen's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Queen's <are> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my mom said hello. <laughs> <laughs> that is too fun. Um, <laughs> <coughs> wow. All right. Should we jump into it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so this week we're talking about Ted Bundy, um, which is... A lot to say about Ted Bundy. Real heavy one. Real sad. A lot of horrible stuff that he did. Um, but let's get into it and then we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. All right, take it away. <clears throat> Theodore Robert Bundy, otherwise known as Ted Bundy, was born November 24, 1946, in Vermont, at a home for unwed mothers. His mother, Eleanor Louise Cowell, and who went by Louise, had planned to put Ted up for adoption, but was convinced by her father, Sam Cowell, to bring the child back to Pennsylvania, <coughs> sorry, where the family lived. In Philadelphia, Ted was raised by his grandmother and grandfather with the belief that Louise was his sister. However, she was quoted, he was quoted in The Stranger Beside Me as saying that, quote, he just grew up knowing that she was really my mother, end quote. As Ted would tell it, he had a relatively normal childhood, but reports suggest that his grandmother suffered from severe depression and his grandfather was fr- prone to fits of rage. In fact, it sometimes suggested that Ted was actually a product of his grandfather raping his mother, though Louise maintained that she had been seduced and abandoned by a war veteran. It's also often suggested that Ted experienced severe abuse at the hands of his grandfather, 
so he reported that they had a good relationship. Throughout his childhood, Ted exhibited strange behavior. On one occasion, his aunt said that she woke up to a very young Ted placing knives around her while she slept. Dr. Dorothy Lewis, a psychiatrist, said that these actions would have only occurred with children who were severely abused or experienced extreme violence. When Ted was three, he and his mother moved from Philadelphia to Tacoma, Washington, where Louise met and fell in love with Johnny Bundy. The two were married in 1951 and would go on to have four children together, something that severely strained Ted and Louise's relationship. Furthermore, Ted strongly disliked Johnny and his blue-collar manual labor job. Even so, Johnny still adopted Ted and gave him the last name that would one day become infamous. There are conflicting accounts for how Ted found out that he was illegitimate. One suggests that a cousin revealed it to him, while another suggests that he found the birth certificate and saw that Louise was his mother and his father was unlisted. Either way, his illegitimacy seriously grated on Ted, who grew resentful and angry towards his mother. As a young boy, Ted was awkward and never quite fit in well with his classmates, and as he grew older, he became increasingly more violent. A childhood friend of his was quoted as saying that he, quote-unquote, liked to scare people and would often hit people with sticks. As a teenager, he began to break the law. It first started with relatively minor crimes like petty theft, and he was arrested twice on suspicion of burglary and auto theft. When he was 18, however, these crimes were expunged from his record. He graduated from high school in 1965, spent a year at the University of Puget Sound, and then transferred to the University of Washington in 1966 to study Chinese. In 1968, he dropped out of college to work full-time, bouncing between minimum wage jobs and getting more active in the political scene. Most notably, he volunteered for Nelson Rockefeller's presidential campaign. While at the University of Washington, he became romantically involved with a woman given the pseudonym of Stephanie Brooks. Brooks ended things in 1968, citing his immaturity and lack of ambition, an event that Dr. Lewis labeled as, quote, pivotal in Bundy's development. Following the breakup, Ted traveled across the U.S. to Philadelphia to visit relatives and then returned to Washington in 1969. It was on this cross-country journey that many speculate was where Bundy first began to commit murders. Upon his return to Washington, he met a recent divorcee named Elizabeth Klopfer, who was from Utah and had recently started work at the UW School of Medicine. Elizabeth, who has been known by many monikers in Bundy literature, also had a daughter named Tina. My sister just called Tina. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 1970, Bundy re-enrolled at UW as a psychology major, as well as took a job at the Suicide Hotline Crisis Center in Seattle, where he worked alongside Anne Rule. He would go on to write The Stranger Beside Me. Bundy graduated from UW in 1972 and got involved in politics through the help of Clover. He was accepted into law school <laughs> in 1973, despite his relatively average LSAT scores, and attended University of Puget Sound until April of 1974, when he dropped out of law school altogether. While in California on a political trip in 1973, Bundy rekindled things with Stephanie Brooks, who was amazed at how much Bundy had changed. However, after Brooks came up to Seattle to visit him, Bundy suddenly cut off contact. When Brooks managed to get in contact with him a month later to ask what had happened, Bundy said calmly, Stephanie, I have no idea what you mean, and hung up. He later reported that he started the relationship again simply to prove that he could. There's no single consensus on when Bundy first started killing. FBI reports say that it may have been between his teenage years and his early 20s. Bundy himself said that his first attempted murder was in Ocean City, New Jersey, 
but he never elaborated. He said that his first successful murders were both in Washington, one in 1972 in Seattle and the other in 1973 in another small town. However, many suspect that his first murder may actually have been in 1961 when he was 14, with the disappearance of eight-year-old Anne Marie Burr. Though her remains were never found, her home that she was taken from was just a few miles away from where Bundy lived, and circumstantial evidence, including a footprint found outside her home, points to the fact that Bundy may have been involved. Regardless of when his murderous spree first started, his list of victims is insanely long and may not even be complete. It's been reported that right before his execution, he was asked how many women he'd killed. An officer supplied the number of 36, and Bundy replied, add one digit. We'll never know for sure what he meant, if he meant for the number to be 37, 136, or 361. We also can't talk about all of his suspected murders, as that would take us literal hours. Yeah. So we've selected a few key ones to discuss. The first kill that he's typically credited with is that of Karen Sparks, who was killed on January 4th, 1974. She actually wasn't killed, now that I'm reading over it. I definitely screwed that up. She wasn't killed. She was just beaten. Go on. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. I definitely wrote that down. I just did not. Donna? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What we say, like... Oh, no, his first kill was Linda Ann Healy, which is in the same paragraph. Oh, yeah. It's okay. I just screwed up. <laughs> well, I just say... Okay. Um, so he beat this woman called Karen Sparks. Yeah. yeah? Okay. <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> um, Sparks was a student at the University of Washington who was bludgeoned in her home. She was beaten with a metal... Oh, my God. She was yeah. beaten with a metal rod. Not only reading this, it's like horrific. <laughs> um, taken from her bed frame and then sexually assaulted with the same rod. She survived the attack but spent 10 days in a coma and suffered permanent brain damage. Even now, she has no memory of the attack. His next victim was Linda Ann Healy, who was also studying at UW and went missing in February of 1974. Watch real quick. Um, blood was found in her sheets and on her pillow, and three days after she went missing, a male who has never been identified called 911 and said, quote unquote, the person who attacked that girl on the 8th of last month and the person who took Linda Healy are one and the same. 14 months after her disappearance, her remains were found on Taylor Martin. Yeah, he has like a big thing with Taylor Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in March of 1974, Donna Gail Manson disappeared on the way to a concert. Her body was never found, though Bundy reportedly burned her skull in the fireplace of Elizabeth's home. Bundy's first victim outside of Washington was Roberta Kathleen Parks, who attended Oregon State University, and whose skull was discovered also at Taylor Mountain. Finally, Bundy's last murders in the Pacific Northwest were those of Janice Ann Ott and Denise Marie Nasland. Both girls were abducted from Lake Sammamish State Park in Issaquah in July of 1974. Witnesses reported seeing a man with his arm in a sling approach each of the girls and ask for help, bringing a sailboat to his car. Another woman had agreed to help, but refused when Bundy said the sailboat was at his parents' place and they'd need to drive. This woman provided a description and a sketch was commissioned and released to the public, and she also reported seeing the man get into a brown Volkswagen Beetle, which Bundy drove. The bodies of Ott and Naslin were never recovered. Anne Rule, his colleague at the suicide hotline, reported her suspicions about Bundy to the police after seeing the sketch, but it was never followed up on. About the same time the murders in Washington and Oregon stopped, 
Bundy was accepted into the University of Utah to study law. He moved to Salt Lake City in 1974, and so did the slew of disappearances and murders. Rona Staffrey? Yeah. I don't know if you said Staffrey. Rhonda. Rhonda Staffrey. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was studying medicine at University of Utah and was waiting for a bus to campus on October 11th when Bundy pulled up next to her and offered her a ride. Instead of taking her to the campus, however, he took her to Bay Cottonwood Canyon, where he repeatedly raped and strangled her. However, Staffy managed to make a break for it when he turned his back to her, though she didn't tell anyone about what had happened until 2011, fearing ridicule and backlash. On November 9, 1974, Bundy approached Carol Durance at a shopping mall posing as a police officer and informed her that her car had been broken into and she needed to get to the police station. However, once in the car, Durant reported that his demeanour switched and he became hostile and cold. He forced her into handcuffs and threatened her with a gun, but she managed to escape to another couple who did take her to the police station. She couldn't identify Bundy in any of the provided mugshots. Following the unsuccessful abduction of Durant, Bundy headed to a high school and managed to lure 17-year-old Debbie Kent, this one's so sad, um, into his car. Kent's body was never found, but her parents have left their porch light on ever since. The police were able to connect these two cases because Bundy left a key that fit the handcuffs used on Durange in the parking lot where he abducted Kent. Karen Eileen Campbell was his first kill in Colorado. She was in Aspen, skiing with her fiancé in January of 1975 when she disappeared, leaving behind her fiancé and her children. Her body was found a month later, naked and left on a patch of road near the resort. Her cause of death was blunt force trauma, and her body bore similar marks to that of a sharp weapon. Bundy had four other confirmed kills within 1975 before he was finally apprehended. Clover had been in contact with the King County Police in Washington to report her suspicions, though she remained normal around Ted whenever he visited. As more and more evidence piled up, and as the killings continued, Bundy's name began to appear at the top of every list of suspects across all states. In August of 1975, Bundy was finally caught by law enforcement after a police officer conducted a routine stop after growing suspicious when he noticed the beetle and the fact that the passenger seat had been removed. While searching the vehicle, police found masks, handcuffs, and other weapons. Despite all this, there was no solid evidence linking Bundy to the murders, so he was released on his own recognizance. This release gave him the chance to sell the Volkswagen to a young boy, as well as destroy any incriminating evidence, including what many think may have been the Polaroids that Bundy took of all his victims. Despite selling the Volkswagen, police were monitoring Bundy and managed to seize the car, discovering physical evidence that linked Bundy to a lot of the crimes. They also searched his apartment and found a guide to the inn where Campbell was staying, and fibers that were also found on Kent's body were found on one of Ted's jackets. On October 2, 1975, Bundy was identified in a lineup by Carol Durange, as well as placed at the high school where Kent went missing. He was charged with aggravated kidnapping and attempted criminal assault on Durange and hit with a $15,000 bail, which his parents paid. He, he returned to Washington to await the trial with Clover. While he was awaiting trial, investigators from Utah, Washington, and Colorado all met in Aspen, Colorado, at what would later be known as the Aspen Summit. It was at this summit that information from 30 prosecutors and investigators from across five states were first exchanged. At the conclusion of the summit, everyone present 
felt that they had found their serial killer, but needed much more hard evidence to ensure he didn't escape trial. In February of 1976, Bundy went on trial for the Durange kidnapping. He waived his right to a jury because of the negative press around the trial, and after a four-day trial and a weekend deliberation, the judge sentenced him to 1 to 15 years in Utah State Prison. He went to prison in June and was found in October hiding in the bushes with an quote-unquote escape kit, which included a map of the surrounding areas. This landed him in solitary confinement for multiple weeks. Late in October of 1976, the state of Colorado charged him in Karen Campbell's murder, and he was extradited to Aspen in January 1977. In June, he was transported from Glenwood Springs Prison to Aspen for a preliminary hearing. Because he was serving as his own lawyer, he asked the judge if he could have his shackles removed, and he was approved. During a recess, he also requested to use the courthouse library to do research, which was granted. While in the library, he hid behind a bookcase and jumped out a window, injuring his right ankle. He shed his prison uniform and walked through Aspen, heading south to Aspen Mountain. In Aspen, he broke into a cabin and stole food, clothes, and a rifle, and then proceeded to wander the forest for two days in an attempt to get down the mountain. On June 10th, he broke into another trailer, stole a ski parka, and then walked back to Aspen. He was pulled over by officers, uh, sorry. Hungry, injured, and cold, Bundy stole a car three days later and drove back to Aspen. He was pulled over by officers who noticed his car weaving in and out of traffic. He was then returned to Glenwood Springs Prison, and the case was slowly weakening against him. It's often theorized that if he simply stayed in that prison and went through with the trial, he might have gotten off scot-free. Instead, he hatched an escape plan. Bundy managed to get his hands on a handsaw, which he used to saw a hole between the steel bars in his ceiling and into the crawl space. While doing this, Bundy put in a request for a change of venue to Denver, which was approved, but instead the case was sent to Colorado Springs, where juries were notorious for being particularly harsh on murder suspects. On December 30th, my birthday, mm-hmm. with security at the prison severely lacking, Bundy put his plan into action. He placed books and files in his bed, covered it with a sheet to make it look like he was sleeping, and then slipped into the crawl space. He then broke through the ceiling of the jailer's apartment, which was empty, stole some clothes, and walked right out the front door. He stole a car, but it broke down on Interstate 70, but a passing motorist gave him a lift to Vail, where he caught a bus to Denver, and then flew to Chicago. The guards at the prison did not discover his escape until noon on December 31st, a full 17 hours later. From Chicago, Bundy traveled to Tallahassee, Florida, where he arrived on January 8, 1978. He said he originally planned to leave behind the life of crime and start a life in Florida, but the first job he applied to required ID, which he couldn't provide, and so he resorted to his old ways. On January 15, 1978, Bundy broke into the Chi Omega sorority home at Florida State University a little after two in the morning. Inside the house, he beat Margaret Bowman with a piece of firewood and then strangled her with a nylon stocking. After this, he entered the bedroom of Lisa Levy, beat her unconscious, strangled her, ripped one of her nipples, bit into her left buttock, and sexually assaulted her with a hair mist bottle. Both Bowman and Levy died because of their wounds. He then attacked Kathy Kleiner and broke her jaw and cut her shoulder, and then attacked Karen Chandler, who suffered a concussion. Both women survived and credit this survival to the headlights that shone through the window of the house that spooked Bundy. This violent attack that ended with two women dead lasted less than 15 minutes. 
After leaving the sorority house, Bundy attacked another FSU student at her apartment building. He dislocated her shoulder, broke her jaw and skull, and gave her permanent hearing loss. After these brutal attacks, Bundy headed to Jacksonville, where he unsuccessfully attempted to abduct a 14-year-old girl. His next stop was Lake City, where he abducted Kimberly Diane Leach from her school. Her remains would be found two months later at a pig farrowing shed, and she had been raped and murdered. Bundy left Tallahassee on February 12th, but was stopped in Pensacola three days later, just before he crossed into Alabama. The officer on duty noticed that the car he was driving was stolen. He attempted to flee the scene, but was subdued by the officer as he was transported to jail. The officer, who had no idea he had just caught one of the most prolific serial killers of the day, said that Bundy said, quote unquote, I wish you had killed me. In 1979, he stood trial for the Chi Omega murders. He was given five court-appointed attorneys, but still chose to defend himself for most of the trial. His defense team reported that he attempted to sabotage the trial at every turn, including turning down a plea deal with the DA that would have given him a 75-year prison sentence. Mike Minerva, one of his defense lawyers, said, quote-unquote, he was going to have to stand up in front of the whole world and say he was guilty. He just couldn't do it. In the trial, two Chi Omega sorority sisters testified that they either saw Bundy near the house on the day of the attack, or even leaving the house with the murder weapon. Impressions taken from the bite mark on Lisa and Levy's buttock matched Bundy's teeth. The jury deliberated for less than seven hours before returning with a verdict of guilty on the two counts of murder for Bowman and Levy, three counts of attempted first-degree murder, and two counts of burglary. The judge presiding over the case imposed a death sentence for each of the murder charges. Another trial took place in Orlando for the murder of Kimberly Leach, which he could be tied to after a witness saw him leading Leach to his car. He was found guilty after eight hours of deliberation and given a third death sentence. While in prison on death row, he began to slowly admit to Stephen Michaud and Hugh Ainsworth the extent of what he had done and also confided in Special Agent William Hagmeyer of the FBI Behavioral Analysis Unit. He told Hagmeyer that before 1974, he considered himself an amateur, but it was with the murder of Linda Healy that he says he reached his quote-unquote peak. His first execution date was set for March 4, 1986, for the two Chi Omega murders. However, it was quickly rescheduled as Bundy filed to have the motion stayed. The next date was July 2nd, and he now began to confess in earnest about what he had done. In particular, he described how he would return to Taylor Mountain in Washington, where many remains would eventually be found, and commit sexual acts with the decaying corpses of his victims until the putrefaction process meant he no longer could. He also admitted to decapitating around 12 of his victims with a hacksaw and keeping their severed heads in his apartment. Most likely, it was one of these heads that he had burned in Elizabeth's fireplace. However, 15 hours before July 2nd, the Court of Appeals stayed the execution indefinitely, citing a need to review the case, including examining Bundy's mental state during his trial and his competence to stand trial. For the Leach case ruling, dates for his execution were issued and stayed, facing many appeals, until a final date was set in place for January 24, 1989. With his execution date now set in stone, Bundy finally confessed to the eight murders in Washington and Oregon, including five previously unknown victims he either refused to identify or could not identify. He also admitted to investigators from Colorado, Idaho, and Utah 
the murders that they suspected him for, as well as for others. As a bargaining chip, he began to withhold information regarding certain murders or where bodies were buried in an attempt to stay his execution for more information. His supporters attempted to encourage families of victims to support a stay of execution in an attempt to get more information. However, Bob Martinez, governor of Florida, said, We are not going to have the system manipulated. For him to be negotiating for his life over the bodies of victims is despicable. On January 24, 1989, at 7.16 a.m., Theodore Bundy was executed in Rayford, Florida, at the age of 42. As his body was removed from the prison in a white coffin, the people of Florida celebrated in a field across from the prison, setting off fireworks and singing and dancing as he was driven away. What a dirtbag. Right? Good lord. <laughs> I know. So what do we think? I still can't believe, like, like so many people in, like, less than 15 minutes. Like, I, you just totally kicked me under the table. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But, like, 15 minutes? I know. And nobody heard a thing. There were 30 sorority girls in that house, and nobody heard a thing. Like, isn't that horrific? Yeah. Do you know, did some of them just walk in? Like, at, like, 2 in the morning, wasn't it? Yeah. 2 a.m. That's insane. It's so scary. It's terrifying. And the fact that, like, those other two that live, they only live because headlights shone through, like, what are the chances that that was even there? Yeah. Like, I'm like, if that car hadn't have been there yeah. and those headlights hadn't been through the window, they would have died. Probably, probably more girls in that house would have died. Yeah, if he could have just kept going. He really was like on a little spree there. Yep, like six girls in Florida, or something like that, which is horrific. Um, it's so sad about that Carrie Kent. Oh, Debbie Kent. Debbie Kent. The, like, There's one. a Carrie girl, too. Yeah. Mm, there's so many of them. There's so many. There's so many of them. Ted Bundy is a dirtbag. The um, Kent is, like, young. So young. Is that the one whose parents said they were leaving? Front porch, yeah. The light on. Isn't that horrific? It's, it's so worse because, like, buried in an empty coffin, probably. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think they found her remains. No, they didn't. But you would think he would have just said, like, this is where it is. I think he was trying to bargain as yeah. much as possible. But, like, he was told, like, no, this is still your execution date. Yeah. And he still didn't. Like, ooh. I think he was so narcissistic that, like, he was like, no, they're not going to kill me. I know where so many of these women are bur- were buried and what happened to them. And there's murders that they've never been listened to. And I think he was like, if I can just keep convincing them to not... Maybe I'll just live forever. Yeah. I mean, he was on death row for quite a while. Because he got it the first time. He got it stayed the first time. Yeah. So he probably thought, you know, I did it once. I can do it again. I can get it done. Maybe. So he was charged in 1976, and he wasn't killed or executed until 1989, which is quite a long time. Yeah. I suppose there's, like, people that are still on that now, like, and they've been waiting, like, years and years and years yeah that's true what are what are your thoughts on we're gonna go off on a bit of a tangent here but i'm curious we always do <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on the death penalty because i know you guys don't have it here yeah um, only one state in the u.s still has it in the u.s what state texas 
Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to get that wrong. I think it's Texas, but what are your thoughts on the death um, penalty? Or are you Googling it? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it is Texas. Or did <clears throat> um, I don't know. A lot of people are for it and a lot of people aren't. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are your thoughts on it? I don't know. I don't think I'm for it. I don't know. Mm. I'm just Googling. I'm not like passing a judgment. I'm just Googling to see. Your silence is making me so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to see like what state still has it. Go away. Does it not say? Not really. I mean... Anybody can Google it. I know, but it doesn't tell me. (laughs) Rebecca's mom (laughs) just texted and said they tried to find more about the insane mind, keeping him on death row. That's a very good point. Thank you, Mrs. Holmes, for sharing. (laughs) Rebecca's mom is now my third (laughs) co-host. Like, are you like, my mom just sent a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, it's kind of difficult because you're sort of like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. I don't know what that says. It's, I don't know. Do I just use laughing? I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe she's like cringing instead Ooh. of creasing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, um, like, I don't know. It's kind of like an eye for an eye, you know. Do you believe in that? Not really. <laughs> Isn't there like a famous saying by like, where it's like an eye for an eye and then the rest kind of thing? Yeah, something like that. I don't know who it's by, but I, I don't know. I think it's so complicated, and I think if you want people to be held culpable for their actions you can't like be like no we're gonna like and also who has the right to take somebody else's life you know yeah like those people are literally like persecuted not persecuted prosecuted (laughs) (laughs) wrong word (laughs) for like killing somebody and then it's like you're going in to like inject them or like whatever it is and it's like effectively it's not the same but it's the same right it's still like that life's not there Right. But Bundy didn't die from... Yeah, but like I was just saying, like in general. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I think it would be much worse to die by the electric chair than... Yeah, but they don't do it now. No, it's all lethal injection. Yeah. But like, God. What a horrible way to die. <laughs> but then also I think about like... The woman. The many victims that he killed. And how awful it was how they died. Right. But like, they died at all. 
and he was so violent and like would you know return to their bodies and like oh yeah do horrific things with them Ooh. yeah Ted Bundy's a dirtbag um yeah <laughs> what do you think do you think his grandfather abused him um he never really talked about it like he never said yes or no I mean like we can speculate as much as we want about it I mean this whole talk's just gonna yeah, be like this whole, <laughs> this whole next 25 minutes is just gonna be us completely guessing at why Ted Bundy was the way he was um it just wasn't it like that psychologist was like the things that he was doing when he was younger like the knives and mm-hmm. the throwing like sticks at people or yeah. whatever um you had to like experience some like extreme fighting or like you were the subject of like abuse or something like that right. and just because like his grandfather's kind of known to have like a raging temper and then there's kind of like all that other speculation that you know he might have raped Louise mm. and then when she wanted to put him up for adoption um who was it that said like no we should be in say like I don't know it's just kind of like hmm yeah but also like there are thousands of people who are abused as children yeah. who don't go on murderous rampages yeah and like I feel like it was just kind of one thing after another like he didn't fit in with other people mm. he might have just experienced it all like constantly and then he found out like it was illegitimate yeah yeah especially in the 1960s that would have been yeah like a pretty big deal wasn't it like a thing where he's like he grew up knowing that it was his mother though like yeah it, yeah like that's a thing like he didn't really know but he said she was always very maternal and very loving um but he grew like to really hate his mother yeah because like he felt like she had kept something from him and also like when she married johnny bundy the um it was a hospital or whatever cook, he was wasn't yeah it? yeah um they had four kids together yeah and so bundy going from i'm surprised bundy never like made him like killed them I don't think he would have been old enough and i think his like what do you think when he was a wee kid but i think it was the fact that it was young girls you know like i think it was yeah just like a power play for him but i don't know yeah either way he's a terrible person he also didn't like his stepfather isn't it like yeah. he couldn't give him like the life that he wanted or something he couldn't have like that lavish life he yeah. just had like his father his stepfather was just like a blue collar worker who was just trying to provide for his family and who this wasn't enough for yeah ted like who adopted this kid and loved this like kid you really like you, you tried yeah and bundy just hated him so i suppose i don't think even if bundy had that life i don't think it still would have been enough for him no i think he was just so narcissistic and thought he deserved so much from the world and he didn't I still can't believe he did all those awful things. And then, like, he tried to say that he would go to Florida and, like, live a normal life, apply for one job, and then was like, eh. Yeah. That's not, like... Because they needed identification. Yeah. But because he was on the run from the law... He couldn't get it, but, like... Ooh. Like, you can't just apply for one job and be like, well... That's me. I'm going to go back to all those awful things. (laughs) (laughs) To killing girls. Like, come on. He's just... He's a dirtbag. What What do you think of the whole thing with, like, Anne Will and, like, she, like, gave the sketch in and, like, the police wouldn't do anything with it? I think that's a serious... I Like, th- throughout this whole 
case throughout the whole thing there's just like such a serious lack of effort on anybody's part like on the police Mm. you know like he appeared at the top of every list of suspects he drove the volkswagen he looked like the suspect blah 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 four different people including his girlfriend reported him like and said he looks like this guy and then never did anything so like lives could have been saved if somebody stepped in and did something but also you have to kind of consider that it was the 1970s and they didn't have like you couldn't really talk across state lines as easily now yeah like now in the u.s there's like a huge database where if you put in something it'll show up like if you put in something in washington it'll show up in new york i think that's why it was such a big deal like the aspen summit yeah um, that's not what it was called aspen was it? summit yeah yeah um i think that's why that was such a big deal because it was like the first time they'd all got together mm. and like shared all their things and they were like that's the guy yeah but like all the evidence was so circumstantial yeah and then like you like if you look at his escape the guy escaped like twice crazy like he jumped out of a window and like injured himself and still managed to evade capture for like 10 days like that is ridiculous yeah that is absolutely insane he was just wandering around the colorado mountains and the time where um he was like fleeing or something and he got a lift yeah from someone got and then got on a flight to chicago like how could he still get on planes i guess security wasn't as it was, yeah. I mean, you could so. just, like, walk in. Yeah. But, like, seven, like, they noticed he was gone 17 hours later. The guy was already in Chicago, already on his way to Florida. He literally could have already killed so many people in that small amount of time just because they didn't check his name. Like, that is ridiculous. And where did he get the handsaw? Like, I'm Who sorry. knows? <laughs> How did he get that? <laughs> Who knows? Who gave him a handsaw? And then he just, like broke into the ceiling it was like yeah he went up didn't he yeah he went up like through the crawl space broke into the jailer's apartment grabbed clothes and just walked out and nobody was like hey that guy looks like ted bundy and the fact that like when he was pulled over the person didn't even realize Mm -hmm. like that it was ted bundy and like it was just because he tried to yeah escape like no, I don't know. Maybe it was a really different time. Time and like there wasn't as much sort of communication. Maybe. Yeah. Like because there's so many like advancements now and like Yeah. But still horrific because he killed so many people in that time that he managed to get away. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like what do you think about him like defending himself? I think he did it because he was so narcissistic and believed. That's so your catchphrase for like this. Because he's <laughs> narcissistic. <laughs> he is. He's narcissistic and he's a dirtbag. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, and like stuff that I've read about him and like podcasts that I've listened to. He was just so. Creasing means laughing, apparently. Hey, are we funny? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Emma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, good to know we have two listeners. <laughs> um, That's so funny. What was I saying? I don't remember. Uh, oh, about him defending himself. <laughs> um, I think he just believed so much of himself. I think he was like, 
I am a god among men. But like, if he thought that, right, he waived his right to a jury. So surely he was like, I can't charm them, so he must have known like he was in trouble. Mm. So like, he must have had some level of awareness, like that. Like, I also think it's like he wouldn't have had the right to a fair trial. And like, I think he knew that. Is that not like? Not on his side. No, like, would he not want that? Because if you go to trial and like, there's something to do with it, like something's happened then it gets all like washed away no like the right to a fair trial is like one of them like you don't get prejudged for it right okay so it was only the one stuff yeah yeah and everybody would have been like i get you ted bundy definitely did this i mean he did (laughs) definitely did (laughs) um yeah i is it yeah is it normally this bright in here yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) i got distracted Uh, you're good um i think he just thought so much of himself and i think it was the same thing like before his execution he didn't think he was actually going to be killed he thought they were so desperate to like do you think they did the right thing or do you think they should have waited to find out that's a difficult question like i think like imagine if like you had someone and you didn't have their body so like they were just out there well the governor um <laughs> hold on yeah mommy we're just mentioning this <laughs> noise <laughs> we're getting there we promise <laughs> um yeah but i think like the governor of florida when he said that quote about being like too keep like to keep bargaining for his life yeah over the body of dead victim over like dead victims um he said like these families have come to terms with what had happened because it's been almost 15 years mm-hmm. like um they had accepted what had happened and by keeping him alive he wasn't doing anything like if he really cared like if yeah. he was really remorseful about what had happened he, he would have just told them straight out like he would have been like this i think it was whatever. something was like um the fact that he's killed all of these people and he's using their deaths and their bodies as a way to try to save his life is despicable yeah that was the governor that's like it's like s- so true and you're like like it's just what do you think do you think they should have kept bargaining um um I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if it was someone that I knew, I don't know. I don't know if I could let that go. Because, mm. like... But then would you, like, would you be able to live with the fact that he's still alive? No, he would die eventually. Yeah, but many years. I don't know. I guess that's kind of like, are you, like, for, like, capital punishment or not? Yeah. I mean, he died at 32, so he was still pretty young. Yeah. But he got to live a lot more than all those other girls. Like, I think his youngest victim was, like, 12. He tried to do so many young abductions. Shocking. Horrific. Absolutely horrific. And it's because, like, wasn't he, like, he always came across, like, so friendly. Like, he didn't seem like a, like, a creep. Yeah. They said he was charming and... Have you seen a photo of him? No. I mean, yeah, but, like, no, it's not, I can't, like, picture it. Because they always talk about how he's so handsome and, like, I don't know. She's just trying to keep my family with me coping, I think. 
spoke for a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were you about to say, Phil? Said what he looked like. Um, because everybody was like, "Oh, he's so attractive." Blah blah blah. Like, he's not. <laughs> I mean, he had Zac Efron playing him. Yeah, but okay. Hot take <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast on this radio show. Zac Efron is too buff. Oh no, he is. He's too buff. He is, and nobody wants to talk about it. And I'm like, it's nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> it's too much. He's not attractive when he looks like that. I'm like, you look like the White Hulk. Like it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's not cute. <laughs> Have you seen him in Fable? Yeah. He's just like pulsating veins. I know. Like, I'm like, <laughs> Oh, but to be fair, you do you, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to body shame you, Zach, but. No, like, he seems really happy, so good for him. Yeah. Do better. I kind of miss like Troy that. Bolton. You know, the saddest day of my life is when I found out that in the first high school musical, he didn't not sing. Zach I can't him singing. <laughs> <laughs> That was the worst day of my life, and I refused to watch the first movie because of that. Speaking of singing, did you watch Miss Americana? Of course I did. What did you think? I cried like six times. Really? Yes, because it was so The whole thing about Kanye West? I am not going to say what I was going to say because I'm on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but DM me for more information because I have a lot of hot takes. Ooh. I DM me. I love what you did. I can just speak to you. <laughs> I'm really hoping there's somebody out there who's listening to us. Um, there's aside from Rebecca's <laughs> mom and her friend. <laughs> That's so sad. Thank <laughs> you. Um, Miss Americana was amazing. If you're unaware, uh, Taylor Swift released a Netflix documentary. I love Taylor Swift. Um, and also before we do this, go. There's a thing about Kev on the on Netflix. Yes. What's it called? Extremely. Oh, it's like extremely something, something wicked. I don't know. Something that we don't know. I've never seen it. It's a really long title. Yeah, it's got Lily Collins and Zac Efron. There's also Confessions. Yeah. The th- <laughs> <laughs> um, <I laughs> um, Confessions of the Killer. I mean, it has a smiley face in it. I don't know. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> um... Confessions of, like, Ted Bundy tapes or something like that. I have a lot of hesitancy about watching, like, dramatizations of serial killers. Really? Yeah. Especially one, like, that <coughs> casts, like... Like the... Because you don't people. really associate Zac Efron with, like, serious acting. You know? <laughs> He's not listening. It's okay. <laughs> um, you mean, like, drama? Yeah, you associate him with, like... Baywatch or like High School Musical. High School Musical. What else has he done? The Greatest Showman. Oh yeah. Oh my God, he's in a movie called Charlie St. Cloud. It's a really good movie. That's a good. That came out a long time. Have ago. Have you seen though. it? Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> That's a good movie. Um, but you don't really associate him with like, like you wouldn't look at. Okay, so this is what Ted Bundy looks like. I mean, he doesn't look like a killer. He just, but he's not a, like everybody's like. Oh, he's so like. Look at this. This is him with his girlfriend. Look at look at that monobrow. That is an entire one eyebrow. <laughs> yeah. Your mom's also got one. Is she just like research? Oh, I think she's all about like even more eye for the research. Oh. I think that's what she's saying. 
This is like the most interactive one we've ever I know. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to be featured on the show, um, reach out to us on Instagram. You could be our next Rebecca's mom. <laughs> Abducted in plain sight. It's on no, that's not like a dramatization. Like it's the real people in it. Yeah, like the girl that it happened to. She speaks in it and everything. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I have like it's in my Netflix like list. It's in our list of things to. Oh, is it? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Spoilers. We have a list. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very long list. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like look at him. That is just like that. First of all, doesn't look like. Do you know Zac that Efron. picture? It actually looks like something similar to. What the guy in Abducted in Plain Sight did. Like, he would, he met these people and sat with them. And well, that's like, his girlfriend, Elizabeth. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Have you heard of Elizabeth Smart? No. Uh, maybe. She's, like, well-known. She was, like, abducted. Oh, it's extremely wicked. But there's more to that, Mom. Um, <laughs> it's extremely wicked, shockingly vile, and terrible. Terrible. Evil? I don't know. It's, I need to know now. Either way, it's on Netflix. You can find it very easily. Um, can I be on? <laughs> <laughs> we have three listeners. Rebecca's dad is listening, too. Was that my dad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca's whole family is listening. Hello. Um, yes, you can be. Oh. Extremely wicked and shocking evil interesting mm. yeah you can find it on netflix if you haven't seen it already um yeah but elizabeth smart she was like taken but like she survived and everything mm. but it, there's like she like talks about it a lot oh really yeah. i definitely have heard of her yeah she's um, like well not well known for being like taken or whatever but like yeah. she's like surviving do you know yeah. what i mean yeah so yeah there's like a lot of things in my netflix list that i just haven't watched Mm. But to go back to what we were saying, I'm very hesitant to watch that Zac Efron <laughs> documentary because documentary, it's a movie. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> she um, literally means just because my dad started listening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're famous. Um, it's the biggest crowd we've had. I know. <laughs> Three whole people. Um I don't know. It feels like it's kind of trying to romanticize it. Oh, I think Elizabeth Smart was a cult. Oh, was she? I don't know. I don't think so. We'll research that for, yeah. ne- for next time. All right, Mom, stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, it just seems like it's trying to romanticize, you know, like Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Because Zach, like, a objectively. Lot of people didn't like that. Really? Yeah, a lot of people said the best part was at the end, and it was literally just like. Like little snippets of like Ted Bundy things. Yeah, because you don't want to like. I haven't seen it since then. Yeah, if you have seen it, let us know. Um, My mom hasn't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Emma, have you seen it? (laughs) Has Um, she? She might have. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but either way, he just seems like it. Just seems to. I don't know. Don't stop asking me that. You have to get over that sick guy. Emma said no, she hasn't seen it. 
Okay, um, so nobody who's listening that we know of has seen this movie, which is a relief because it doesn't look very good. <laughs> Have you seen the trailer? I've seen the trailer, but I don't know. Mm. I mean, it didn't make me want to like go right. and watch it straight away. I wasn't like, oh, I need to watch this like yeah. I was with. Oh, my mom has seen it. <laughs> One person has seen it. <laughs> uh, show up next week for Mrs. Holmes' review of Extremely Wicked, whatever it is. <laughs> that one Zac Efron movie that's on Netflix. Um, so we only have seven minutes left. We kind of got distracted a little bit. Yeah, we always do. This is the first time anyone's actually really going to notice that we've done that. That's true. <laughs> Instead of us just shouting into the void. Um, but yeah, Ted Bundy is not that attractive. He kind of looks like a frog. So basically, okay. <laughs> um, he got into so many rascals. Yeah, but because he wasn't that smart. It's because like Elizabeth had like political connections. Ah. Uh, which mm. is, you know, like, and even when he was on trial for murder, people, like, I'm reading the news. Oh, you're good. Um, when he was, like, on trial for murder in, like, for the third case or something, he had, what's her name, Carol Ann Boot something? I don't know. I don't remember. What's it called? Carol Ann Boone, who he worked with in Washington, like, moved to Florida to be with him while he was on trial for murder. I'm reading. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, and then while she was, like, testifying for him, he was, like, questioning her, and he proposed to her in, like, the courthouse. And because of some stupid Florida law... Um, she couldn't testify against him? Well... She wasn't testifying against him. She was testifying for him. Oh. So maybe for, like, cross-examination she couldn't. But then, like, a year later she popped out a kid and named Bundy as the father. Crazy. My mom was asking what happened to his Volkswagen. He sold it to a kid. And then they got it back because the police, like, took it. Because they stripped it down. There's photos of it that you can find. It was fine. Pretty run down. Um, okay, thanks for the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> so Ted Bundy is a father. God help that kid. Can you imagine that? I wonder what's going on in the courthouse. I don't know. Probably moved far away. Can you imagine like talking to somebody like, um, someone actually bought that car. Really? In 2001, Arthur Nash. He's like a known crime memorabilia collector. My dad just sent me it. Somebody bought Oh, and then in 2010, it was leased to the National Museum of Crime and Punishment okay. in D.C. And it's displayed there. <gasps> oh, but the museum's closed. Oh, lame. But it, it's still displayed in the crime museum. So someone bought it and then gave it to the museum. But someone bought that. Somebody bought Ted Bundy's car. But Dude, get a better hobby. Oh my god. <coughs> 2000 serial killers are currently at large in the US. Have fun going home. Because <laughs> that's our biggest problem right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Have you been keeping up with all the impeachment stuff? Oh, I try not to. Acquitted? 
I know. I read it today. I was going to say something. Mm. Not to get political, but... If you couldn't tell, I'm from the U.S., so... Really? Shocker, I didn't know that at all. (laughs) Um, (coughs) Yeah, if you haven't been keeping up with the stuff in the U.S., it's a living nightmare. Um, But it's good to know that the show works. What? Like, that, you know, we're actually on air. Oh, yeah. And we've been on air. We always panic at the start because we always have to check. (laughs) Because there's a delay. Yeah, and it's very, like startling when you're not expecting it <laughs> yeah but it's good to know that there's you know we actually because we're supposed to do a podcast too but we don't know how to do that but we <laughs> we didn't record last week's one was so good last week's one was very good um but we forgot we we didn't hit record but we hit record for this one but i don't know how to like upload it to we'll figure it out i mean it shouldn't be that hard like i don't know they didn't really show us how they were just like press the button yeah, good. push this little bar up <laughs> or <laughs> down. Like, Okey Um We know how to play music and that's it. Oh, yeah. anybody have a song request? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll put it on. Um, right now they're playing One Direction. You d- you just can't hear it. Um, deepest of apologies. <laughs> <laughs> Are you directioning? I was many years ago. Oh. I did a 19-hour drive. Actually, that's not true. I did a 19-hour drive from Washington to Colorado years ago and i listened to one direction exclusively the whole drive what? so i still am a big <laughs> one direction man <laughs> dude i i don't know their their music is just very mindless yeah like as in like you just listen to it yeah and i would like roll it was like september early september and i was driving through literal nothing literal nothingness where were you going for 19 hours oh just like one place to another i was going back to school from washington Oh, oh, speaking of Washington, um, fun little tidbit about me. That park, that Lake Sammamish Park in Issaquah that he took girls from, I used to go there all the time Oh, when I lived in Washington. Did you hear about it? No, did not know it until I was listening to a podcast about Ted Bundy, and they were like, he lived in Washington. I was like, I You're pretty big on your podcast, to be fair. I love my podcast. What's the last one you listened to? Um, I've been listening to My Favorite Murder, which is super interesting. Um... Crime Junkie, super good, if you're looking Crime for... Crime Junkie? Yeah, mm. I binged that. And then Sinisterhood is really funny. Funny? Yeah. Like, it's two comedians, and they talk about, like... <laughs> <laughs> we are Sinisterhood. Um, but if you are looking for podcast recommendations, hit us up. We are about to run out of time. <laughs> um, it is 12 o'clock. And the show. And the show is over. That's the lowdown on Bundy. Yeah. Um, he's a creep. You still a dirtbag. We know he's dead. I hope he doesn't rest in peace. Ooh. Drop his mic. <laughs> Leaves. <laughs> um, yeah, next next week we are not going to be here because Rebecca's going to Liverpool. To see Emma. Woo! <laughs> um, and then the week after, that is my reading week. Do you want it off? No, we can do it. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. We'll do it. Um, I think. Hmm. Spoiler for not next week, but the week after that. Oh yeah. What are we doing? I've wanted to do this. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's Madeline McCann. Ooh. And then after that, you got to pick one. We're doing Jonestown. The cult. The cult. You've Kool-Aid been cult. all about these cults. I love cults. If 
for <laughs> yes we're making t-shirts Rebecca's dad just asked if we can join the fan club um I love this interaction I'm a big fan <laughs> um it's weird because it's like we're not alone I know <laughs> like normally we're like don't see us <laughs> talking not, to like nobody just us shouting into the void anyway so yeah. ne- so not next week but the week after that we will be doing Madeline McCann Madeline McCann that'll be a big one Big one. Loads of theories there. Ooh. Mm. Spooky, spooky. It's actually cool kind of writing that one. Hmm? It's cool kind of writing that one. Oh, really? Because there's just so much to it. It's going to be really fun. We're yeah. not going to tell you what happens. I don't even think I know what happens. In Madeline McCann? I heard about it once when I was in, like, third grade. I suppose it's not American. Or Australian. Oh, yeah, because you're also from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, But anyway, we should probably... Yeah, I kind of want to play some Billie Eilish. I do want to. Rebecca plays Billie Eilish after every show. Um, well, do you want to pick a song? No, One Direction makes her so much. You, you don't have Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, you searched for that last week. I looked for it last How do they not have Taylor Swift? Right! <laughs> <laughs> Queen's Radio needs to get some Taylor. Cause yeah. They need to get Swift with them. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> Is it a life if you don't have Taylor Swift on your radio station? It is not. Anyway, is it a radio station if you don't have Taylor Swift? <laughs> I agree. I agree. Anyway. We um, just totally promoted her there. <laughs> does she need promotion? No. <laughs> From two teenage girls in Belfast? You're not a teenager. I'm not a teenager. <laughs> I'm going to be 21. Really? In like a week and a half. <gasps> really? Yes. A week and a half? Like two weeks. Mm a date my birthday is the 24th of february really however long that is from right now yeah i'm gonna be 21 flip 21 years is on that a gray hair <gasps> how dare you <laughs> <laughs> oh. um yeah um thank you rebecca's mom um it's okay oh she said bye oh bye <laughs> um how dare you? I do not have a gray hair. <laughs> You're right. You have two years. <laughs> Rebecca's fired. She's no longer allowed to be on this show. Um, not like I'm a co-host or anything. <laughs> nope. You're fired. You're fired. I don't make the rules. You were just fired. <laughs> Set a gray hair. Um, all right. Well, this has been really fun. Yeah. Um, next week. Not next week. Mm. Two weeks. Two weeks from now. Tune in to hear about. The Madeline McCann. Madeline McCann. And Holly, it was all messed up. Shh, they might not. <laughs> they know. <laughs> <laughs> they might not. I don't. Um, thank you to <laughs> Rebecca's mom, Rebecca's dad, and her friend Emma for listening in. So many shout-outs. We really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm Elise. I'm Rebecca. And we'll see y'all in two weeks.